Good morning, everybody. It is uh, the 11th of June, 2022. What are we, like 12 years into this? Anyways, this is Phil Stevens. Uh, this is Iron Radio. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and uh, camper. I'm going camping tonight. Ooh, where to? It's just some lake up north that we've never been to. Nice. It's supposed to be super quiet, and that's what we look for. There you go. Nice. This is Dr. Mike Nelson, associate professor at the Kerrigan Institute, creator of the Flex Diet Cert, which may be closed by the time you listen to this, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Go to flexdiet.com. And yeah, just uh, been home. I'll be headed out to the ISSN conference, International Society of Sports Nutrition, this week. So I'll be able to hang out with uh, Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I'll be sharing a room there and see a bunch of other fellow nerds. So if you guys are at the ISSN conference, come up and say hi. There you go. This is Coach Jarrell out of Strength Guild in KC. Um, honestly, he's kind of dead right now, just waiting for nationals this month. <laughs> Wait for nationals. You went to, uh, I saw pictures of you, Mike. You went to the Granite Games. Talk to us about that. I did. It was, yeah. um, yeah, it was here in Minnesota. It was up at the Vikings complex. And it was good. It was, there was not as many people there. I went there Sunday afternoon. So maybe it was just the, the time of the day or whatever. And I thought it was odd. Like the, the long event we talked about, I did get to see that, which was great. But it was odd to me that I'm sitting in the stands watching these people do heroic exercise as I'm eating my chicken tender sitting on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> a little weird, but, um, yeah, went to the Fed Aid booth, uh, saw my friend Ashley who was working there and I yeah, went to the strong coffee booth, saw Adam, the owner there for a little while and I just wandered around and then came back. So yeah, it was good. I think they were kind of hoping for a little bit better turnout, but, I don't know. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe people didn't know about it. Maybe it was a Sunday afternoon, different location. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it was fun to go down there and hang out for a little while. Good times. Also, from the spectator side, CrossFit is dying a slow death at the moment. But hey, they brought Castro back. Yeah. They did? Really? He's back. He's like a wow. Sort of an affiliate role, right? Like he's doing something direct to affiliates. I don't know. Yeah, they unfired him, though. So all the affiliates I see, I have a lot of ties to CrossFit from when back in the ancient days when I did uh, seminars at them. And they're all posting like, oh, Castro's back. And, yeah. So, uh, hmm. <laughs> yep. But Lonnie sent you a bit of news. Yeah. Uh, Lonnie sent some news here. And let me pull it up. This is from uh, Lab Roots. About overtraining negatively impacts mood and heart rate variability. A recent study published in the journal Peer J found that morning mood and heart rate variability are inversely related to training intensity in amateur road cyclists. So in the study, they looked at five recreational road cyclists were followed for a six-week period. During that time, HRV, <coughs> morning mood, training power, and rate of perceived exertion were measured regularly and compared. Overall, higher training power during an exercise session led to a lower heart rate variability and worse mood in the morning. 
so lower heart rate variability is going to be a higher stress. So as you lose fine scale variability, it's an indication of being more on the sympathetic side. <clears throat> so what they found was essentially lower heart rate variability is often considered an in indication of also potential health issues. What they're talking about here is that it's kind of a like, oh, well, that's not really that shocking that mm -hmm. if you train harder the next day, your body still may be stressed. That's kind of what they showed here. Yeah. So, but it was interesting that they did this for a longer study. Again, not super long, six weeks. Um, some of the analysis they did of the HRV, I'm not a big fan of frequency based analysis, but they did do, uh, time domain, what's called SDNNN also. And yeah, I, there's some other, this does match some of the other data that's been published in this area, um, showing that you, HRV is a good marker for stress. And the article goes on and talk that if you continue down that path, you could have, uh, overtraining. You know, like we talked about in the past in the show, most people are probably never going to hit an actual Frank overtraining syndrome, but you could be overreached. You could see drops in your immune system. You can see drops in performance, et cetera. And if you still really want to keep pounding it, yeah, at some point you could potentially have overtraining syndrome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Not anything that's like earth shattering, but the other Side note on HRV is I've gotten a few notes from uh, just random people in some posts I actually find of this like comparison of HRV as a as a score almost like uh, my HRV is better than your HRV, <laughs> uh. which is interesting to a point. But if I have an athlete who's like let's say a powerlifter, strongman, or whatever, and their HRV is pretty good the resting heart rate is where we want it and the hrv keeps going up it keeps increasing i.e they're becoming more parasympathetic i'm just going to keep upping their training because mm -hmm. i actually want to see a little bit of erosion in some heart rate variability at some points if i really beat people up i actually want to see their hrv less or quote-unquote worse the next day because that'll be probably an off day or an easy cardio day and then they'll come back the day after that so again it's it's not Better and higher HRV is not always better per se. It's, you have to keep in mind what it's actually looking at. It's looking at the status of your autonomic nervous system. Are you more sympathetic or are you more parasympathetic? And then we actually have to have a sane conversation about context and what you're trying to do. Um, if you go to the other extreme, you can have uh, some endurance athletes who are doing uh, high mileage and especially are more trained they can actually almost end up parasympathetically overreached, meaning they're too far on the parasympathetic side. And that's not good either, right? But you, you look at them and you go, wow, look at this HRV. It's crazy high. They must be doing great. And anytime I get those scores, the first question I ask is like, how is their training performance and how do they feel? Mm -hmm. I think about half the time they're like, I don't know. It's been sucking lately and they feel like dog shit. I don't know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> I'm like, well, send me the trend of where it's been at, and you look, and it just keeps going up and up, and it indicates that, yeah, you might be a little bit more parasympathetically overreached also. So, again, would you balance that, that out with, like, context. some – so would you balance that out with, like, some strength training to hit the nervous system for an athlete like that? Yeah, so if it's an endurance athlete, and, I, and I'm convinced they are kind of parasympathetically overreached, 
you're always going to pull back on their training volume. Um, what I've done with some people and even um, some strength athletes, if they tend to be trending like more parasympathetic than what we think they should be, is I kind of stole this from Cal Dietz is how would we get a high sympathetic stressor on their system to kind of quote unquote even them back out, but they can't really handle a whole lot of workload, right? So that was the tricky part. And one thing that works quite well, it's anecdotal, is like a mid-thigh isometric pull. The way you do this a lot with a trap bar, so stick a trap bar, have it be unloaded, and then put it underneath the pins. So you're pulling up against the pin like a pin pull, and you're about two inches from lockout, right? So you're at your strongest position, and you're going to slowly come up against the pins, and then you're going to pull as hard as you can for, you know, five to six seconds. And you're going to rest and do that again for maybe like in three three sets or something easy. Maybe do some very light plyo or whatever they need to work on and then just call it a day. Right? So something that's a higher sympathetic stressor but is not having any eccentric muscle damage or anything that they've got a, a load that their system has to recover from more. And then I've also played around with, if you have access to it, super cold um, cold water immersion but very, very short duration. So have it be like 40 degrees or below, get in, keep moving around your limbs. You don't get that nice thermal layer next to yourself. Maybe stick your head in the water, but you get out within probably 30 seconds. So you're getting that massive cold stimulation on the skin and the response from that, which is going to be super sympathetic, but you're not having that stressor kind of hang out for a longer period of time. Um, so something like that seemed to help, um, but again, we could just be, you know, deluding ourselves, and it was just the fact that we dropped their <laughs> their overall training and waited time too. But they seemed to help. Um, no, and one thing that you brought up to me when you're talking about this and people like battling for the best HR scores is uh, HF scores is uh, God, it's been years now, but when all the uh post and peri workout training supplements started coming out. Oh yeah. The supplement companies really pushed over training as like this devil that was everywhere. Yeah. And like all of a sudden everybody became worried about overtraining to the point <laughs> they were never training hard enough to make progress. Right. <laughs> you know? It's like Oops. at some point you need to reach a state of disrepair to progress yeah. you know you got you need to train fucking hard enough to tell your body to progress and that's i think people forget that and yeah it's you see it go both ways um of course but um, it's it became far more prevalent that people were just not training enough because they were so afraid of overtraining that they that they never did it and that's a big argument i got to do with people is uh like well it's like uh, well should i move up to five days of training well, how about we just train hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the realization that getting people to realize that, like, progress doesn't happen in the gym. You're supposed to be literally, like, destroying yourself a bit, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, people yeah. don't grasp that. It's <laughs> a lot. Like, I, I mean, I don't even think I really – like a true, like we, I've gotten pretty close with like overreaching personally and never like 
overtrained, like truly to be considered overtrained. And I've never pushed anyone enough, like overreached, yes, but it's like to actually get people to the, what a true classification of overtraining is, is like tough. That's really oh, tough. Yes. Yeah. It's much harder than people expect. And the fact that honestly, us as coaches, we are usually looking to get people to like, we want to hit that point of overreaching. Yeah. To therefore make progress. You know, <laughs> uh, you need to kind of find that that area and you know that's the happy area to where we can actually okay now we back off and rest and recover and and make progress i mean that's it's kind of what we do for every meat cycle yeah you know you want to get somebody like to that cusp of like with my power lifters like i know it's a resounding theme like we're three weeks out and somebody that's doing it for the first time is like hey man how am i supposed to be feeling right now Horrible. Well, like fucking trash. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like right before me, you should feel like trash. And then we're going to take some time back down and you're going to feel great. You know, it's like yeah. if you're feeling like shit, that's you're right where right where I want you. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I did that with power lifters too. a couple guys. We had one guy who qualified for, for nationals, which is great. And. In the past, his <clears throat> deload was normally about a week, which is, yeah, it's about average, you know, depending on who you are, how much you're lifting, etc. So I said, well, this time we've got, I think at the time we had six months of prep. So I said, well, <clears throat> we're going to try to shoot and just basically pummel you like almost three weeks out, and then your taper is going to be two weeks. Because if we can get a higher amount of overload on you but still give you more than enough time to recover – my hypothesis was I, I think a week probably for him wasn't quite enough because he would hit his best numbers after the meet. <clears throat> and when we did that, he's like, yeah, my HRV is like, it's dropping and it's horrible. And it's like, oh, you're three weeks out. That's perfect. It's like, what? This is crazy. And then it slowly starts recovering. And like about Wednesday, the meet was Saturday. Wednesday, his HRV was pretty good. So I was like, okay, so we got, you know, a couple more days just you know, take today or tomorrow, go to the gym, just hit your openers and then just walk out and next two days were rest. And yeah, he did great. You know, and again, you don't always get that lucky. Things don't always work out that perfectly, but mm -hmm. same idea, right? You're just going to keep pushing as much as you can, make sure they don't get injured, make sure they don't completely all four wheels fall off. And then you're going to give them more than enough time. Cause I'm like, Hey man, if you're, you know, he was probably ready like Thursday. I'm like, yeah, we just go in and do a few openers. <laughs> good for your confidence it's enough stimulus you'll be fine and yeah but if it's seven days and your hrv is still trash friday night mm -hmm. you know or thursday you know there's no recovery strategy in the world that's going to help you at that point other than time yeah you know or if you're ready early cool we can add just a little bit of specific work and you'll be fine so yeah. have we done enough to like individualize any hrv type stuff like we know this athlete is performing their best when their HRV score is X. So we aim for that X. I haven't done enough of HRV. Yeah, kind of. Um, it, you know, the hard part with that is, like you said, it's extremely individual, right? Mm -hmm. So you usually need a few cycles through just to have an idea. And most of the time it just works out that way. 
right? So his HRV was completely recovered. And then the day of the meet, it was actually, you know, amber, almost borderline red. And he's like, oh, but this is low. I'm like, yep, perfect. You know, we, we actually did that in practice like three months earlier, mm-hmm. right? So I'll do that with athletes. I'll purposely kind of destroy their HRV for a day, but I know the average is good. I'm like, yeah, just cut your volume in half today. Go to the gym. If you feel good, see if you get a PR. They're like, oh, I almost got a PR today. My HRV was dog shit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because you're highly sympathetic. You can probably perform just fine for that day, but you can't live in that state for weeks on end and expect to make progress. So having have do that experiment beforehand, if it comes up red or amber or low the day of the meet, you're like, ah, oh, you're fine. Right. I'd much rather have that than I've screwed this up a few times in the past where their HRV was super high. And they're like, man, I just want to take a nap in the corner. Like, I can't get excited for any lifts. My power is down. My speed sucks. I feel horrible. Oh, but my HRV is great. It's like, yeah, you're too far on the parasympathetic side, you know. So you kind of and most of the time, you know, people are probably not Phil and have done 800 meets. You know, they're going to be a little little nervous about it you know they're going to be a little bit stressed so you're normally trying to take them down a notch or two and their hrv will be a little bit more on that sympathetic side which you know that's exactly where i would want someone to be yeah no and that's what i was going to get into on earlier when you're talking about people competing for hrv things it's the realization that all this stuff like everything else in life is very individual yeah so the problem with comparing it is like like John's HRV is here. I need to get there. Yeah, what if that area sucks for you? Yeah. <laughs> you, you just lost. You didn't actually win. Um, that's like anything else. It's figuring out the clients. And But, no, I've had those meets where I came in, and, like, I remember one specifically in uh, near St. Louis where, like, I could do nothing to to get up. And normally, yeah. like, I, I feel good at meets. I love meets. It's like that's – like some people like going to the beach. I like going to meets. It's my happy place. <laughs> and I was at a meet and it came deadlift time and I just could not get myself like, I can't get excited for this. And it was trying to force it. And it was like, this just didn't happen in a day. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I just hadn't, I wasn't ready, but um, yeah. And those times happen and that's what you have yeah, to just learn figure out is per individual, what is best. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is some, generalities, right? So if I have a new person, I'm looking at the athlete scale and their HRV is 38 and the resting heart rate's 85. It's like, okay, man, like we, we got some work to do, right? But once you're kind of in a normal range, because it's not a linear scale, you know, once your heart rate is depending on what you're trying to do, you know, 40s or 50s, depending upon, again, your sport, CrossFit or versus powerlifting, and your HRV is somewhat reasonable, yeah. You know, we may try to push HRV up over time if that's something that you're concerned about. Because I do think within reason, having a lower heart rate and a higher HRV, you can <clears throat> accommodate more training volume. But then you have to weigh that against the specific adaptations that you want. And then most clients have a real life. You know, they've yeah. got other stressors. They've got jobs. They've got kids. And for most of the time, those things are usually a bigger stressor than their training. If you've got a high-level athlete, then it's the inverse, right? Most of their training is going to hopefully be their biggest stressor, and all the other ones are going to be minimized. So, again, the the context of what you're dealing with matters a lot with each one. Yeah. 
Uh, before I forget, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody that you know as well, Mike, uh, Sean and Gabby. Oh yeah, Montana. we love them. Yeah, they are competing today in their first That's right, That's meet. today. Yes. Yay! So, good luck to both of you guys. Uh, yes, good luck. They That's weighed in yesterday. Great. The shitty thing they got going on, like they sent me the, an email for the meet last week, and it was like warning them. <laughs> It's going to be super hot here in Montana. It's going to be 82 degrees, so bring lots of water and your sunscreen. I, apparently, the meat's outside. Oh, wow. Uh, and they're like, okay, so it's going to be hot. And I was like, 82 is not hot, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they got an email last night, and the weather has changed. 62 and rain all day. And oh, jeez. Meat outside. And oh. <laughs> what I looked at, like, the only thing that has cover is the lifting the competition platform. Oh. Like the whole warm up area is in the open. So oh wow. That should be an issue. I'm I'm interested to hear how the meat goes. So like I'm warming up squats in sixty two degree rain. So <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's hardcore, but, uh, man. Yeah. So they're both super worried, but they're set up fine. Uh you know, first time meet should be good. So good luck to you guys. But, yeah, that's awesome. Um, we were going to touch on, so I was just, and I looked it up again because I thought I heard this, uh, Larry Wheels is taking a shot back at strongman training. Apparently he got beat in some arm wrestling competition, so he quit arm wrestling. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) he's going back, and I know he's tried it a couple times and got injured. Uh, it says he's taking an attempt to go back to strongman and give a run at that again, maybe making it to the world's strongest man. And, uh, I don't know, this guy on medium.com, whatever that is, it was the first one I found, just makes it like, I think it's good for him, but it could hurt him. He's very, he just argues that Larry is, because of what he does, he's, he's good at everything he does. But his problem, like many people have, is he's, uh, he, he never concentrates on one thing. He, like, yeah. lives in this strongman bodybuilding powerlifter world. And the true elites in any field concentrate on one. And that's what they're talking about. It's like, like if he could ever get himself to just, hey, I'm doing strongman, he'd probably do well. But uh, his problem is he tries to bounce in between three different sports at once and constantly three to four to six YouTube videos a week of him lifting crazy amounts of weights with people. And how that's probably hurting his chances at being great, but what? Yeah, I don't know. You know, you get caught up in that that uh, YouTube and and uh, IG world, and but yeah, I don't know. I hope and wish him the best, but I, you know, like I've said to people, I mean, I I started in a strongman, and I love it. It was fun. The the thing that got to me, it was, it is a sport, in my opinion, where it's not if it's when you get injured. Uh, because everybody I know that's competed at a, a fairly high level has surgical repairs. So, but we'll see how he does. I don't know. You, you had some specific things you want to touch on in this drill as far as uh, like coming into strongman already really fit. Yeah, just I really to say even transitioning from sports, like what's easier in terms of strength sports to transition from. I think it's hardest from powerlifting to anything else. Like squat bench, deadlift, you know, 
impressive strength-wise, but then it's hard to transition from that at a high level to strongman or even weightlifting. It's like there's something about movement and all that stuff that if you're not doing that in training, it's like, I mean, it's tough to go from one to the other. I just, in terms of strongman, I think if you started with strongman and you could translate that to virtually any sport in terms of like just the GPP and be able to train better. You know what I mean? So. Oh, and I'd agree. And like one thing I've told all my people that come into me is like, I really think I started in a strongman. A lot of people don't know that. Like my first ever competitions were strongman competitions before I ever powerlifted. And I blame that on, I blame my success. If <laughs> People are going <laughs> to laugh at this. My lack of injuries, uh, <laughs> me being the person that's had everything surgically repaired, but uh, um, a lot of those aren't due to lifting. They're due to my getting ran over as a kid. But, uh, like, I've never had a back injury and things like that. And I think a lot of that was because I started when I was not strong in strongman um, and loading my body in a way that just I, I fairly bulletproofed myself from moving in different parameters and you know it just helped build a, a skeleton that was a lot more bulletproof whereas you see somebody that comes in let's say you got an 800 pound deadlift and he decides to go into strongman he's able to do some of these things in odd ways but his body's not prepared for it oh man sorry i had to sneeze so um yeah i can definitely see where that happens and i you know we do a lot of strongman training with my powerlifters in the off season, but it's not like meat heavy. Yeah. So I I use it as assistance work for everyone for various periods, just like carries and yes stuff like that. But my my thing with Larry Wheels is like he's has an elite level of strength in powerlifting to then transition that to strong it's like you're you're like so strong you're definitely gonna hurt yourself you know? yeah you're strong enough to hurt yourself <laughs> and particularly if you don't like really take your time with it so if it's like he's just gonna do heavy strongman training you know for the instagram and youtube views without taking a you know probably a year plus to just let his strength get you know come up in some of those weird positions yeah it's like you're definitely gonna get injured dude like that's not yep. Like applying force to a barbell for one to five reps is a lot different than, you know, dragging a truck a hundred feet or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, and those types of things. For sure. And I think like what this post talks about is like Larry is a very high end athlete and he has access to other high end athletes in other fields and often goes and trains with them. And they make Instagram stories about it or YouTube stories. So, like, Larry's not going to go visit Brian and go at 50% for YouTube. Yeah. He's going to go visit Brian Shaw, and they're going to do something stupid and that he's not prepared for, you know, <laughs> which then, of course, leads to injury. Um, and it's hard to take. You take any athlete. Like, I am, I know I'm this way. We were talking about this with my, my cousin the other day. And, like, there's a reason I don't get on a, a motocross bike anymore. I used to ride all the time when I was younger, and I got on one like five years ago. And what is it? Dave Tate talks about it with the blaster dust thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that's what type of person I am. So I'll get on to something like that and think, okay, I'll just take it easy. Four and a half minutes later, I'm doing like 85 miles an hour through the woods and flying through the air and about to kill myself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, I've had to learn to, like, for me, it's better just not even do it than it is to, oh, I'll just go light. And <laughs> because I won't fucking do that. And there's a lot of A-type personalities of that way. And it can be to your detriment. Like, and you get Larry and he's turning videos on himself and trying to put up content for, for listeners. And of course he's going to, I'm not going to do a 400 pound farmer's walk. I'm going to do a 700 pound farmer's walk. And while he has the strength for it in like major muscle groups that is used to powerlifting, all that smaller supporting shit is not prepared for that. So. Yeah. That's the same reason why. So far to date, I will not let myself buy a motorcycle. <laughs> it's like yeah. I have a, enough issues kiteboarding and other things that it's like I would not just cruise around town. It would not be good, especially when yeah. the skill to go fast is just turning your wrist. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's like me and my Harley. Like, yeah. I know if I get on there, I'm going to be doing 120 miles an hour. It's just fucking happy. That's just that's <laughs> just what I do. Um and but anyways. Yeah. I think Larry unfortunately kinda has the trifecta of disaster coming with you know, he's hasn't done a lot of these movements before, right? So if you even pick up a lighter yoke, you can pick it up, you're like, That's not bad and then you try to take a step with it, you're like, What the hell happened? Like this yeah. thing is way more unstable than I thought it was for a stable looking structure once you have to move with it and then like you said he is strong enough to probably do the pick you know pick up the farmers and mm-hmm. to do some of those things and his, his grip is pretty good also yep. and then three his identity is wrapped up into the business yep. which is wrapped up into instagram and youtube doing crazy stuff yep so it's, it's that makes me incredibly nervous and of yeah. course everyone wants to watch a train wreck whether they want to admit it or not <laughs> so he's gonna get views as he starts doing it which is probably not going to be in his favor either yeah because the views are going to keep going up okay so i need to do more of that and right you know and, and we're not saying we hope larry gets injured we're saying oh, no. we hope he takes his time and does yes. it i think he could do well oh, i think he'd probably if he well. concentrated on it you know but this is the same thing as like kind of segue into this into different ways to train like for a long time there, I don't know if it is now, but for a long time there, like, frequency training became the hot topic. Like, the squat everyday people and things like that. And I tried it. My problem with that has always been I love training intensely. And intensity can be great. Frequency can be great. Uh, volume can be great. But you get problematic when you start going... And mixing those three in high levels. Yeah. Very frequent, very heavy, and lots of volume. And that's, like, I'm the type of person, I figured this out. That's why I train, like, two to three days a week now, because I just love going balls out. And I'd come in with a plan, even though normally I'm pretty good at writing things down. If it's written down, I'll just do that. But I'd just, I'd have, like, okay, we're doing five sets of ten squats at 60% today, whatever. And next thing I know, there's 85% on the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And it's just figuring out there's no right or wrong is what I'm getting at. There's no right or wrong way to train. It's just figuring out a training that fits your personality and what does best for you. And for me, it's like very much less frequent and just like Lonnie always talked about, the tissue assassin. I generally tend to go in there, and when I'm done, I want to be like, okay, I have to quit because I can't go anymore. You know, I like that type of training. So, and that doesn't fit well with, okay, I got to do it again tomorrow. You know, it, I just don't fit the frequency. I'm not wired to fit frequent training that well. I have other athletes that are. I have people that train six, seven days a week. And, you know, it's as a coach, that's something you have to figure out as well. Like, not everybody can train like me because they don't, if you're going to train very infrequent, you need to push that red line you know you need to be getting towards that red line in training whereas if you're going to train frequently you can it's better for a person that doesn't mind just backing off a bit and doing a little bit here and there so yeah, i think yeah. it's the zatsierski quote right train as often as possible while staying as fresh as possible yeah i think people misconstrue that to mean that oh i need to train every day it's yes. like well but I've seen some of the people who trained every day and their their quality of work is like dog crap. Yes. Like you're never really hitting what you need to hit just because you're you have the wrong target. You targeted frequency at all costs, not quality of work that's being done. And that's where I think they run into issues. I mean as far as like and some of it has to do with cultural too, like American training styles or well I'd just say our country journals tends to be a little bit more emotional so yeah emotionally driven so it's hard to have like a like if you like the Shiko style stuff which is very stoic hitting the same weights over and over for 12 weeks sometimes a year it's just like won't interest you know like if you don't have that interest from a cultural or a personality perspective the training will definitely get worse because you'll be like, okay, here we go again, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, looking forward to the training. So there's a little yeah. bit of that. I mean, I, I deal with that sometimes because I've tried to – I'll do programming where I, like, write the percentages out and, like, very static percentages and strict on the percentages versus, you know, kind of what I would say is a very modified Bulgarian style where it's, like, heavy single and drop sets. Mm-hmm. and like getting people to understand what that's about as opposed to you know and you have athletes that focus way too much on the heavy single and then athletes who won't push the heavy single at all so you have to like it gives you some flexibility but, but yeah the, the stoic training model is not it, that doesn't fit well just into like in a an american system i think that's what we struggle with in weightlifting a lot too yeah that's, you know, particularly, especially considering how those type of athletes, CrossFitters, weightlifters, even powerlifters, how they actually make money is like, you know, through Instagram, YouTube type stuff. So even considering that, like you have to, you know, do heavy stuff on videos and like more frequently than mm-hmm. being state sponsored where you can, you know, just show up and do exactly the program and. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, you can see that otherwise, like, you know, the old films of, like, the Bulgarian weightlifting team would be, like, the top things on YouTube. Like, you could 
barely find them. It's like, what? Is, oh, it's the same thing again. Oh, shocker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that does not like snap doing five exercises every day does not do well for YouTube views. No. <laughs> oh, like the same five again. Oh, we switched one out like this month. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult thing to stay on top of with frequency training. But, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, going from frequency to intensity, it's, like, it's hard to find that balance for some people because it's, like, the people who are, you know, essentially more like Phil, where it's, like, they bring that intensity every session. That's a smaller percentage of people, too. And convincing them, like, for me, anyway, convincing them, like, hey, you need to go less when everyone else is going more. Like, most of my athletes train more frequently for four to seven days a week at least of yeah. training, convincing an athlete who comes into that system and is like, like all right, we're going to go really hard one or two days a week, and then the other days are just practice, essentially. It's like getting them to back off when they come in is is definitely a coaching art for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and I've seen it too with people that – Let's say I've had people that come to me when they're complete beginners. And let's say we take this complete beginner and over two years now we've reached intermediate stage. I don't know. Some guy's squatting 500 and pulling near 500 and whatever you want to call intermediate. Uh, and they're like, okay, now I should do more. You know, we've been doing four or five days a week. And it's like, no, honestly, we should probably, you know, you're getting to that point where you're, yes, you're stronger and your body can handle more. But it's taking longer to recover from that stressor due to the load and getting them to maybe it's time to back off a little bit, not add. You can't just always add more as you get better. And at a point, that's like I learned this when I started coaching people long enough that they got to the high, high, high levels like Brian when he was squatting 900 and deadlifting 900. It's like we really had to be careful with what we did and. You know, that's also where the percentages went out the window. Like, it's neat to say, like, there was that big argument when Chad Waterbury came out with his 10 sets of three uh, training years ago. And I remember, like, Dave Tate and all the West Side guys were like, yeah, 10 sets of three at 80%. Fuck you. I would die. <laughs> you know? That's neat for somebody that squats 405, but somebody that's squatting a grand, you're telling me to do 10 sets of three at 800? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Ain't happening. So, yeah, yeah you have to watch the level and their ability. And, and that's what's so weird about the fitness world, right? Because to myself and other people who were reading that article who were at a much lower level, holy crap, like 10 sets to three, that was amazing, right? Because most people are stuck in the DeLorme three by 10, 10 world. But you're correct that that doesn't mean like this was going to be the best thing for, you know, guys at Louie's gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it has to fit fit the person, and yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I did. Go ahead. I was just gonna say the, the overall, like, as people get really strong, like into that extreme level of strength, it's like the I would just say the West Side dynamic of really heavy for a top set or two, and then really light for a lot of volume yeah. is like the best you can pot. Like, not exactly the West Side system. You know, that depends. I'm not trying to start a West Side argument, but, <laughs> like, that depends. But the just the overall, like, 
really heavy or much lighter, like the stronger you get is like that contrast is what you have to have. Like there's no other way to get around that contrast. Yeah. 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 And you'll even see like some, uh, was it Michael Yesus using like the one, was it one by 20 approach, I think, for like accessory work, um, which, you know, for some high level athletes just tend to work pretty good. But I think if you have to take a 20 rep max of something, by definition, you're so far away from your 1RM that even if you're one of these people that's always just pushing a little bit too much, you you can't with that type of system either. You know, so I think like you guys were saying, it's what system works best also for kind of the the person's personality too. And then as you, there's a big difference between, let's if you just use RPE, like an RPE of a nine and a half versus an RPE of like a legit all out like max 10. Mm-hmm. Like if I get on the rower and do an RPE of a nine and a half, eh, it's going to suck for like a 2K, but yeah, within... 20 minutes in like an hour, I can be upright, functional, and it's not a big deal. Like if I do a legit all out 10 out of 10, I'm kind of a worthless sack for two days. <laughs> I'll tell you what the, the book I think that probably made me realize there is a hundred different ways to skin a cat was, uh, Marty Gallagher's Pur- Purposeful Primitive. Oh, that's an awesome book. He does a great like, because he outlines, like, I don't remember how, seven different training styles. Mm-hmm. All people training for the same sport of powerlifting. And it went everywhere from, like, five or six days a week down to the guys that, like, literally did all the lifts on one day a week. And they were all extremely high level, you know, from Ed Cohn to Mark Chalet to, you know. So it was all these super elite level people, and their training was night and day. And it was, like, it goes back to what we were just talking about is finding what fits that athlete. But then the tough thing is like me this week, it's, it's finding out if you're doing something just because you like it, yeah. you know? And that's like, for me, I would love to go in and just squat singles every day. Um, I wish I could and make progress. But like this week I went in and it's like, oh, we need to do something new. And so we had just finished a block where we hit our heaviest lifts last week. So I, we did like German volume type training, 10 sets of 10. And oh my God, yeah. uh, it was super light, like 50%, but I am wrecked three days later. Um, and I'm, we're like benching like 50%. And I, the first 80 reps were simple, like 80 to a hundred. It was like, oh my God, I am straining like unbelievably <laughs> with weight that is nothing. So, and I literally, um, it was rep 99. I, I, or it was rep 100. I hit like my, I hit number nine on my 10th set and then I just could not do number 10. Uh, and I had to come back and get that later. Uh, and like I said, and now I'll do that. I hate that training mentally, but I know in the end it's going to be good for me. Uh, it's just a change of stimulus and my joints and everything feel amazing today. So. It's it's also figuring that out. Sometimes there's shit you need to do. Hell, let's be honest. A lot of time, there's stuff you need to do that you don't want to do to be at a high level. Like, sometimes that's the most important things to do. Like, I really hate doing that, and it's going to make me better. 
and you just got to have the discipline to do it. Well, I mean, that's why I think having a coach is so important, right? I just got an email from a client of mine. He's like, we did a new new program for him. He's like, oh, wow, this is good. He's like, and this is a lot of the stuff that I probably would not have done on my own, but I can see how it'll be beneficial. I'm like, yep, because, you know, most people I train are, are trainers, right? They know what's going on. They're you know, pretty intelligent, but it's the the human nature to not see the big picture and to be just a creature of habit that just kind of consciously or subconsciously just goes back to what you, what you were doing before. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But. <sighs> Anything else going on? Not really, besides, I mean, so the season with – CrossFit stuff's kind of weird, but that's about the only thing in terms of the CrossFit world. Weightlifting is all the European European worlds just ended and all that. So I think everything's kind of coming to a head for the summer. I feel like yeah. summer is like the peak of strength events. All the nationals are in yeah. the summer. Because I think even USAPL nationals is – I think it's pretty much right after weightlifting nationals, so like that yeah. next – week, the front end of next week is when that starts for USAPL. Or no, yeah, that, that like no longer yeah. leads to okay, USPL. I was going to say USAPL now. I haven't even looked into that now that they're removed from the IPF. Like, oh, where yeah. do all those athletes go? Like, they don't go to Worlds now, I wouldn't think. I haven't even looked yeah. into that because I did kind of ignore that federation, but uh, they've always been like the the constant, the USAPL has been the constant in powerlifting. And, uh, as far as there's always two federations that are top, but USAPL is always one of them. And now they yeah. got removed from the IPF. It's like, well, I don't know what those people are going to do, but, um, yeah, I'll give a shout out to Skyler too. I forgot about that. Skyler, uh, one of my special Olympics athletes went to the actual special Olympics worlds. So the special Olympics and, uh, Got two golds and two silvers. So, good job, Tyler. Yeah. That's awesome. I haven't talked to him. I'm pretty sure just knowing him, it had to have been a gold in total and deadlift. And then silvers and squat and bench would be my guess. Uh, just look, just knowing his numbers. I can't imagine that he beat, got a gold in squat and bench, but he's a strong deadlifter. And, uh, it's, you know, apparently decent in the others to take silver. So, oh yeah, but good job, Skyler. He'll be back next week, and I'll have all the the news. Nice. Uh, I wasn't able to make the trip to Orlando this year, so it would have cost me eight hundred ninety five dollars in gas one way. So, <laughs> plane flights are not exactly cheap now. Either. No, no, they're not. Yeah, I'm getting ready to like I was going to fly out. We're going to Fenway. I'm taking my father in law to see a Yankees Red Sox game in Fenway. And uh, we were going to fly out, but I decided to drive. We're going to stop at Ohio and uh, meet Jim. Let my father-in-law meet Jim. That'll be fun. Uh, you should record that. That'd be interesting. I don't know if I can because there's no <laughs> way to. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to try and filter Windler. Well, I know. we get there. And uh, it's going to be fun having my father-in-law meet him. So, uh a good time. So Fun. Well, I guess we'll call it. It's been almost an hour. Thanks, Dr. Lowry, for uh, dropping a line. Hopefully we'll get him on the show again soon. And uh, Yeah. 
I'm going to go get some squats in and then go go camp. So you guys have a wonderful weekend. Sounds good. See ya. Bye. See you guys.